Welcome to the podcast of Saltbox Church, where we are passionate about helping people into authentic and significant relationship with King Jesus. Father, we praise you for worship. Lord, I praise you for Wes up here in a sacrifice of praise. Lord, I praise you for he and Rachel. I praise you for the journey they're on, they've been on, and the one they'll continue to be on. And Father, I pray on this July 4th weekend Sunday that you would meet every single one of us. Father, let us know that you're the God that knows our name, the God that goes before us and the God that comes behind us and the God that wants us to abide in relationship with you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Man, let's give the Lord a hand. That was beautiful worship, wasn't it? We ask our worship leaders to lead deeply, significantly, unauthentically, and that's it. That was good. Wes, that was powerful. Thank you. Um, I have a couple of things. This is my dad, Steve. He's one of our overseers. He's actually preaching for us today. I'll have you give him a hand in just a minute. Um, So we celebrated our small group conclusion this past week. And, and they made me wear this shirt at the small group. I almost wore it today, but I just, I just couldn't. I just... So we had a taco party, and we tacoed about small groups and Jesus and where we're going from here. So if you were a small group host, or if you were a small group leader, or if you were a co-host, um, would you stand up? So if you were with me at that dinner, would you just stand to your feet a second? And then Cynthia and Kevin, y'all stay with there just a minute. Cynthia and Kevin, are you in the, in the rooms? Y'all stand too. Cynthia led this charge. Come on, I'm going to embarrass you too. We successfully, you guys successfully launched about 16 small groups. And I just want to say I'm so proud of you. And from the book of Acts on, Acts 2, stand with me just a minute. Hang on. They met in the temple courts and in... Homes, it's both, and there's something powerful that's happening. If you didn't get in a small group, grab one of these people and talk to them. Say, was it weird? Was it terrible? Did you live? And we're doing it again in September and October. We're gonna launch them again, okay? And some of them are gonna keep going because they decided they liked each other so much and they just wanted to keep hanging out, yeah? So if you have questions, come see Cynthia. Raise a a hand out of Cynthia. I'm really grateful for all that the Lord's doing in and through our small groups. Let's give them a hand. Uh, portable church, um, this is going to sound derogatory. I don't mean for it to be. It just is what it is. Uh, portable church was supposed to have a lot of items here uh, in March. <laughs> They're finally coming July uh, 15th, 16th, and 17th, and we're really grateful. Yes. So if you want to show up and help us July 15th and 16th from 9 to 5 at the Saltbox offices, that's over off of, somebody help me. Randall Parkway, thank you, over near UNCW. That's on our website. We would love to have you. And then on the 17th, we're going to be in here with some of the new portable church elements that we're going to be introducing. That'll be probably most impactful to all of our kids' environments. But would love to have you July 15, 16, and 17. Okay, that is it. Um, I have one last thing. Dad, come on over here. This is my dad. And you know, is it not funny? 
like, I, I guess I'm wearing the 41-year-old version of the green shirt, and he's wearing the 71 version. I mean, I, I, I looked... <laughs> Let's taco about being a father and so. <laughs> um, I was sitting here in the front row next to Abby, and when I was 10 years old, I was sitting in a school auditorium of a little school downtown called Annie Snipes, and my parents were planting a church and meeting in a school auditorium then. And I couldn't help but just, my mom's right behind me and my dad was right, right behind me, um, and I couldn't just help but celebrate what the Lord has done in their marriage. They've been senior pastors for 45-ish years, give or take, and in retirement now. Um, he's one of our overseers. We have four overseers, and we ask our overseers to preach at least one time a year. Um, so I am excited to introduce uh, my dad, Steve Mattis, to you. Would you give him a warm welcome? Well, good morning, everyone. Um, it is a great privilege to be here, and I was, you know, thinking as I was sort of preparing and then musing even this morning on the text that I'll be sharing uh, from John chapter 13. It's in sort of the natural um, progression of uh, how and where Pastor Michael has been leading us in his preaching. So we've come to John chapter 13, and Jesus uh, does something very curious, and that is he washes his disciples' feet. You know, like, I just couldn't help but think, uh, as Jesus looked around that room, knowing that one would sort of go to seed and flake out and betray him, and the others would um, serve him, I, I wonder what Jesus thought about as he looked around at their faces and I guess he was probably taken with great um, uh, joy in knowing that those who were his disciples would uh, continue on and follow in uh, his footsteps. And I don't think there's any greater joy that a leader could have or a father could have than to see his children uh, rise up and take their places in the kingdom. And I'm so grateful uh, f to see Michael standing on my ceiling, <laughs> which is really true. He asked me to preach. I said, I don't think I want to preach. I'd rather hear you. <laughs> but he insisted. Uh, so if you have your Bible, turn to uh, John chapter 13. If you have your phone, you want to scroll there. We'll be looking at the first Oh, probably 17 verses. And rather than read all of them initially, I think I'll read them sort of as we progress through this text. And what I want to do this morning is really just share what is fairly obvious as you read the text, four reasons why Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And uh, let me begin reading Therefore, if I may, in John chapter 13, uh, beginning at verse 1, and I'll read probably the first uh, verse or so. It said, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I think as I read 
that text, it occurred to me that probably one of the most significant reasons why Jesus washed his feet. Now, there's a whole cultural understanding of feet washing. In fact, most people wash their own feet uh, unless there was a household slave or servant who would then have the task of washing feet. Uh, but um, Jesus, in this case, um, I believe, wanted to give tangible proof of his love. Uh, that's the first thing that comes to me from this text. Jesus wanted to prove his love. Not that, you know, how can we, how can we prove love? Love can be sort of an ethereal thing unless it's demonstrated in practical ways. And that's what I think I see here in this text, um, that Jesus wanted to give tangible proof of his love. It, the text says he loved his, um, his disciples to the very end. His love was constant, to be sure. Um, his love would persevere. His love would withstand the test of time. His love however, needed to be tangible, and it was about to become the most tangible by his ultimately facing the cross. The text says that he knew that his time or his hour had come. Jesus was fully aware what he was facing. And in that, those last few moments, he made a choice, and that is to uh, demonstrate his love to them. Um, his love would never end. It would never give up. You know, there was a book written some years ago, and many of you have probably read it. It was by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. And in it, he talks about the five ways that we receive love. And some of us uh, are acts of service. We we receive sort of love uh, through acts of service that people do toward us. Others um, enjoy quality time, and they sort of measure love based upon the quality of time that's given to them. Others are words of affirmation or physical touch, um, or the fifth one would be receiving the gift. And all of that sort of translates into that love, if it's going to be um, really understood, must become tangible, must become demonstrated in some way. And I think that's what Jesus was doing here. Um, in fact, I remember as I was kind of walking around this morning, a text came to my mind, and it was from Romans 5, uh, chapter, chapter 5, verse 8, and it said, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can you imagine, just imagine that? God the Father demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet separated in a far-off country, doing our own thing, eating the pods with the pigs, as it were, being self-centered and self-sufficient, God the Father demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet over there, wherever over there was, he sent Jesus to die for you and to die for me. See, that's a demonstration of love. And that's what I think Jesus was doing here uh, in this text. 
this is my commandment, Jesus said. You may remember in John chapter 15, verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. See, Jesus is going to give an example, and we'll see that uh, toward the end here. He wants us to do what he does. Um, Jesus gave us a commandment that we love one another in the same way that he loved you. I guess in that sense, it means that he really wants us to live our lives the way he lives. He wants us to wash feet, as it were. And I believe it's figurative, and we'll explore that in just a couple of minutes. But he wants us to learn ways in which we can demonstrate God's love in us to other people in tangible and measurable, specific kinds of ways. Verse 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay his life down for his friend. You see, Jesus was about to lay his life down and in order, I believe, to demonstrate was what was about to happen, the laying down of his life in humility, he took a basin of water and he girded himself with a towel and he began to stoop low and to wash the feet of his disciples. You see, the smallest act that any of us will perform when motivated by love has great impact in the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's probably why Jesus in another um, occasion said, whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one who is thirsty in my name will no way lose his reward. I mean, he wasn't talking about rewards per se, but he was talking about small acts of kindness when done in authentic love toward people for really no apparent reason uh, is a massive, um, has massive impact in the kingdom of God, even a cup of cold water. Now, some of you, uh, sort of to follow on that, some of you may wonder why we have this funny little yellow truck and we take it around and give a cup of hot coffee in his name. It's simply a way to express in a tangible way love toward people that we have never met. Some of you have been involved in that ministry, but it really is. You know, we've had people go, why are you doing this? We've had people come up to us and give us um, a lot of money as an offering to the yellow truck. Why? Because they're blown away with the simple act of kindness, of giving somebody a, just a stupid little cup of coffee. Well, Jesus said if you do even those small acts of kindness toward people, it will have great impact in the kingdom of God. So uh, the question then I would have for us this morning uh, is if that is true, um, what is one tangible way that you would love someone this week? Bum, 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 bum. Just, you know, think about that because when we come to the text of Scripture and we begin to read those on our journey with Jesus, he really would expect from us a response to what he is doing. And if love, in fact, must be demonstrated, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Gary Chapman mentioned, through acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, touch, etc., what will 
you do in a tangible way to demonstrate God's love to those people that you will meet this week. Your spouse, if you're married, your children, if you have them, your neighbors that you certainly uh, have. Um, Jesus is looking for ways in which to express himself even through our simple little acts. So the first thing I think Jesus did when he uh, washed the disciples' feet, one of the reasons that he washed their feet was uh, to give tangible proof of his love. The second way, um, let's read verses 3 through 5, and then I'll give you that way. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand. That is a remarkable text. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was, in fact, returning or going back to God, he rose from supper, he laid aside his garment, he took a towel and girded himself, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he had been girded. The first reason Jesus washed his disciples' feet was to give them tangible proof of his great love. The second way is that Jesus was redefining for them what greatness was. And he was secondly, or in addition to that, demonstrating his humility and his capacity to condescend. Now, let's go back and think for just a minute. Verse 3 says, um, and knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand. The, the, the Greek is, is, a, is somewhat ambiguous here in the English, but it carries the sense that Jesus, um, even though Jesus knew that the Father had given all things into his hand, uh, even though that Jesus knew that he had come from the Father, even though Jesus was returning back to God, even though Jesus was in this all-powerful, exalted place, both in his person and in his position, even though Jesus had everything in the universe, the Scripture said he took a towel and he girded himself. He rose from supper took a towel, girded himself, and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel. You see, the act of washing feet was reserved, as I said earlier, uh, to the role of a slave or um, a, a servant in the household. So Jesus was actually, Jesus who had it all, all power, all authority. He knew who he was. He knew where he was going, where he came from. He knew his identity. Jesus, who had it all, laid it all aside and took a towel. You see, Jesus was redefining what it meant, what it would mean to be great. Now, if you're like me, you probably long for to be seen, maybe. You desire to have a place. And in my 40-plus years of pastoring, I've noticed something about the human heart, and, and I also have one, <laughs> and that is people want to find a place where they can have significance. Uh, people need to, to be important and to feel important, to be sure, but Jesus was redefining what it meant to be important, what it meant to be great, and he did it by 
the symbols of a basin and dirty feet and a towel. You see, the point is, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, uh, you need to learn, as Jesus did, to be a servant. Jesus redefined servanthood. See, there's a, I think, an epidemic in our modern culture of people trying to find out who they are and searching for their place of significance. But Jesus said, he who finds his life will lose it. He, he who wants to safeguard, if you will, his or her self-life will end up losing it because the self-centeredness of holding on to your life chokes out the real purpose of life, and that is to love and serve other people. It's epidemic. It's search for significance. But uh, Jesus said, but he who um, releases his life and gives his life away in real and authentic uh, ways of servanthood, that's the one who would be great. You see, greatness is defined not by having an important role, not by having a position, not by even receiving the accolades of people around you, not by being seen, not by being on the stage, having opportunity to play and worship. But real significance is really about humbling yourself and demonstrating the love that you have received simply by tangible ways of serving other people. Now, I don't know how you love in specific ways. I don't know how you serve other people in specific ways, but I'll just share a couple that I do. Not that I'm anything other than they're pretty simple. Um, when I cut my grass, I usually edge it afterwards with one of those you know, steel edger things, and I just do the front of my neighbor's yard also. We have this this uh, strange little neighborhood that we live in in Tidal Walk, and it has um, a walkway sort of like 20 feet off the road. So we got have this walkway sort of in the middle of our yard. <laughs> and it's pretty obvious. So when I cut my grass, I simply, I, I do mine edging, and I just keep on going. It's not any further than really from here to the flag or a little bit further. So I edge my neighbor's yard. They haven't asked me to. But it's just a tangible little funny way that I see to serve other people. The neighbor lost, um, the lady who lives there lost a mother not long ago, and they had to travel out of town. While they were gone, I cut their grass. You go, well, big whoop. It's a cup of cold water. It's a cup of hot coffee. It's a tangible way, a little thing, that God gives us the opportunity simply to demonstrate his love and servanthood for other people. So Jesus, when he washed the feet of his disciples, he gave tangible proof of his love. And then secondly, he redefined greatness. Even though he was the king of the universe, he demonstrated servanthood by taking the role of a servant and serving those who were around him, his disciples. You know, Jesus still does that with us. He serves us every day. He redefines greatness. Um, I guess a question like the first one I asked, the first one 
uh, being what's a tangible way in which you can love someone this week, this one would be like it, and that is how would you grow in kingdom greatness this week by a tangible act of service to people around you? Pick a, pick a way. Think about who are the people around you and how will you uh, serve them in an authentic, maybe a very small way in order to allow them an opportunity to see something different in you. You know, there are people all around us that are starving for glimpses of what is authentic, what is real, particularly about the church, because the church has fallen into all kinds of disrepute and irrelevance because of, well, a lot of Christians. Uh, but it is still true that God uses the simple things, the small things, the, the demonstrations of small acts of love in order to show his love and uh, demonstrate what true greatness uh, really is. So how would you grow in your kingdom greatness? By an act of tangible service toward others. The third reason, I think, why Jesus uh, washed his disciples' feet, the first one to prove his love, the second one to demonstrate um, or redefine greatness in the midst of his humility, um, and that is to signify his disciples' spiritual cleansing. Let's read uh, verses, well, 6 probably through 11. Uh, after Jesus girded himself, then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, uh, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I'm doing uh, to you, you don't understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash uh, you, you have no part in me. And Peter then answered, Lord, then not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. <laughs> I want it all. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed need only to wash his feet, but is already completely clean. And you are already completely clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not um, all clean. Jesus washed his disciples' feet to give proof of his love and to redefine greatness, but he also did so to signify his disciples um, and their spiritual cleansing. You know, there's probably nothing greater in the heart of God than to have a people who understand that they have already been cleansed. Now, if you're, you're like me, you have a hard time believing that sometimes. Because you see and you are aware and the people who are closest to you don't allow you to forget your foibles, your mistakes. Uh, you see, you're aware of the reality of, of that you still have the capacity to sin, but even, to have dirty feet by analogy. Uh, but Jesus uh, said that you were already clean. Well... One of my favorite verses um, is actually found in Ephesians 1.7, and it says this, In him, that is in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace. In him we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of our sin. 
by the riches of his grace. You see, God has cleansed us, and as Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, he was signifying to them that though they were entirely clean, they still had need of their feet being clean because they were still walking in this world. Now, how does that translate into our life today? I think it simply means that though we are completely forgiven, though the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all of our sin, we still have need of um, having our feet cleansed, which is simply kind of thanking God every day for the reality that he is washing me, even my feet, even when I stumble, even when I fall, even when I choose to be stupid. Anybody know that one? besides me. <laughs> you, know, you know, there's so many different ways in which we uh, often demonstrate our humanity, and yet we are totally already cleansed. We are new creatures in Christ, but we need to remember that, and we need to come to the cross again and simply thank Jesus for what he has already done for us. And go, oh, Jesus, wash my feet again. Not, like Peter, not, not just my feet, but my hands. And my head, all of me again. I think Jesus is really looking for people who are aware of and continually seeking after a fresh touch by his spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to take what is already accomplished for you, the blood of Jesus having cleansed all of your sin and mine, and he wants to apply it afresh every day. Every day. Oh, yeah, I know you were stupid every day. I know you were insensitive to your wife every day. <laughs> I know you should have done, but you didn't every day. You see, it's the blood of Jesus. It's we have been, uh, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of our sins. Ephesians 1.4 says, Therefore, because of what he has done for us, you are holy and blameless before him. Isn't that good? <laughs> I am holy and blameless before Jesus. Now remember, I still have the capacity to do dumb things. I still have the capacity to sin, and, and often I do, unfortunately, but that's not who I am. Who I am is not a, a sinner who's been saved by grace, though that is true. I am a saint who still has the capacity to foul up. There's a real big difference. There's a real big difference to recognize that you are a saint with the capacity to sin. You see... Through the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross, you and I are holy and blameless. And Colossians 1.22 says, and now above reproach. Can anybody give me an amen on that? Holy and blameless and above reproach. How does God see you today? Even though he knows your foibles and so do you, even though the people around you see your inconsistencies, how does God see you? How does he see me? He sees me through the lens of the blood of Jesus. And, and, and I don't know, God is aware, I think, of those places where I stumble and fall, but he no longer holds them against me. 
He sees me as holy and blameless and above reproach. Now, you might not see yourself that way, and that's an area where probably the grace and mercy of God needs to yet activate uh, your experience um, in the Jesus journey. You see, we have been um, set free. The Scripture says we are new creations. Old things have passed away. Aren't you glad old things have passed away? And all things have become new. We've been born again, born a new birth into the kingdom of God. We've been translated. We've been moved out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. That's where we live. That's where we walk. That's where we are rooted. And that's the place from which we do simple acts of love toward other people and demonstrate what it means to serve other people around us. That's what people are hungering for. That's what people want to see through simple acts of service and simple acts of love. The fourth reason I think that Jesus washed his disciples' feet, the first one just to give tangible proof of his love, and the second one was to redefine what greatness really was, and the third one was to signify to his disciples that they were really spiritually clean. But the fourth one, let's read verses uh, 12 through 17, and we'll see very clearly this fourth point. So when he had finished washing their feet, Jesus took his garments and sat down again, and now he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? Well, don't you love Jesus? Wouldn't you love to sit at the, the dinner table with Jesus and have him ask these kind of questions? Do, do you understand what I just did? Because you call me teacher and Lord, and you say rightly, for so I am. Now, if I then, your Lord and your teacher, have stooped to wash your feet, you want to wash one another's feet. See, there's the punchline. You get to do what I'm doing. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. For most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than he who sent him. And if you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Jesus wanted to demonstrate his love. He wanted to redefine greatness. He wanted to show them their spiritual cleansing. But he wanted also, fourthly, to set before them a practical example for them to follow. Now, I do not believe that the washing of feet was sacramental. We're about to celebrate the communion feast, the sacrament that was given by Jesus when he said, whenever you eat this bread and drink this wine, do this in remembrance of me. Washing of feet isn't that way. It's not sacramental. But it is, I believe, figurative. And he is asking his disciples not just to understand who he was and why he stooped low, but he was inviting them into the Jesus journey to do what Jesus was doing, to show people around you simple acts of of love, to serve people, not trying to puff yourself up and, and trying to be, uh, appear great, but Jesus wanted them to simply look for ways 
uh, to serve other people and to love other people, if you will, to wash the feet of those around them, figurative rather than sacramental. He doesn't expect us to literally wash feet. You know, I had my feet washed one time. In fact, Jim Snyder was there with me. He had his feet washed uh, one time as well. There were three of us, and some people came in, and they literally took our shoes and our socks off and washed our feet. Now, I don't know about Jim being here, but I can say for me, that was one of the most humbling things I had ever experienced. And then I'll never forget the person who was doing it used this highly fragrant rose-smelling oil. <laughs> and I had a pair of brand-new um, um, widgeon, whatever they were. <laughs> Those babies smelled like roses for weeks and weeks and weeks afterwards. <laughs> that was beside the point. But the point is uh, to have your feet washed is a humbling experience, and to wash other people's feet figuratively to serve them is also a very humbling experience to them as well. Maybe that's why Peter said, oh, no, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus said, no, 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 yes, yes, I will. And to that, Peter said, not just my feet, but all of me. Ways in which you could um, follow in the example of Jesus, just to end this thing before we move toward the sacrament of communion. How can you wash people's feet figuratively? Well, uh, Romans 12.3 says not to think of yourself more highly than you ought. Say, what does that mean? It means stop trying to be a know-everything. Stop trying to set yourself up. Puff yourself out. Be seen in the eyes of people. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think of yourself soberly and, and uh, the way Jesus thinks of you. Prefer one another above yourselves. Prefer other people above yourselves. Treat the people around you with kindness. Why? Because people matter to God. That's why the Father sent Jesus into the world, because I mattered to him enough that he would give his son as a sacrifice on a cross to set me free from all of my, my sin, all of that stuff that kept me separated from God and from other people. Give people the benefit of the doubt because love covers a multitude of sins. Don't, that means don't be so quick to rush to judgment. Love the people around you because they matter to God. Look for ways to bless your neighbors through random acts of kindness. You know, we were over across the street visiting our neighbors, Michael and Abby. <laughs> And their, and their family, they live across the street from us. Who'd have thunk? Anyway, we were across the street and uh, we got word that someone had visited us and left a gift on our front porch. <laughs> what? So in due course of going back home, we found this, um, this delightful gift that uh, these folks had left for us. Now, why did they do that? Well, I don't know. 
Maybe they had a little extra left over. They wanted to, to bless us. But what I know is this. It was a random act of kindness that demonstrated the love of God in a very small way. But that small way was huge in the kingdom of God. Now I share that just to say, you know, if you make cookies, bake an extra dozen and bring them to me. No. <laughs> Share them with your neighbor. <laughs> I've never met a cookie I didn't like. <laughs> anyway, share them with the people around you. You look for ways to bless neighbors and just random acts. Speak graciously to the people who are serving you, like your host or your waitresses or your waiter. The, the, the quote-unquote non-people in our culture, we tend to look through them and we look over them. But remember, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give himself as a ransom for many. Thank those people. Ask who their name, their name is. Um, be interested in them. And I'll end with this, Philippians 2.5 You'll know this when I read it. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, this is how you're supposed to think. It's the mind of Christ that's been imparted to us by the Holy Spirit who now lives in us. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who made himself of no reputation. He had it all. And he laid it all down. Taking the form of a bondservant, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death on a cross. You see, Jesus calls us to that, to lay down our self-life, to love people in tangible ways, to redefine greatness through acts of humility, signifying to others that we're different and we've been spiritually cleansed, because Jesus set before us a tangible example that we should follow. If you're on the Jesus journey, as Pastor Michael likes to call it, you get to live the way Jesus lived. You need to shuck the old human ways of thinking, the self-centered ways of exalting yourself. Jesus calls us to do what he did. to be how he is toward other people. Now, there'll be times when you blow it badly. And that's okay. You simply get back on the horse, so to speak, and thank Jesus that you have been cleansed and that he is washing your feet and you can now begin afresh by baking those cookies or doing whatever he shows you to do. You see, Jesus, after supper, took off his garments and girded himself with a towel and began to wash his disciples' feet. And today, we get to celebrate not the sacrament of foot washing, but the sacrament of what has been called Holy Communion. It's a time when we remember what Jesus has done for us my body broken or given to you, and my blood poured out for you. Now do this in remembrance of me. Thank you.
See that old wooden cross over there? That actually hung in a church that he pastored and Jim Snyder right here pastored. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, something powerful about that. I'm reading right out of 1 Corinthians 11. I'm going to start in verse 23. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord Jesus, would you take these common elements today and would you set them apart for divine and supernatural purposes in our hearts? And Father, I'm afraid that many of us in the church, perhaps this church and even other churches, approach the communion table thinking we have to clean ourselves up or make ourselves better or get right or confess things. And Father, I want to in some ways dispel that notion. This is simply like Simon Peter with you sitting at his feet saying, I've got to wash your feet. This is an act of our humility as we receive your act of humility. And Father, I pray that you would take this today as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we celebrate your death, your resurrection, and the life of Jesus that is lived now in us and through us. And Father, I pray that we could appropriate your life, your death, and your resurrection. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to have those that are serving communion come up, and we're going to do three stations. We're going to have one station on this side. We're going to have one station right here in the middle and one on this side over here. And as a church, what we're going to do is I'm going to have you stand in just a minute, um, but you're going to exit your row this way, and you're going to come down to the front and get your uh, bread, and we have grape juice this morning, and you're going to go back up the aisle to your seat. That make sense? And if you'll hold the elements, we will take that, this communion together as a family. I'll pray for us at the very end. If I could say anything in this moment, it's this is an act of receiving, not your failure or what you've not done or wish you did or did. It's, it's this is an act of receiving what he has already done on our behalf. It's all grace right here. This is the transformative power of Jesus in us and through us. Don, are you gonna dismiss us row by row? Okay, maybe the front row, if y'all will stand. Wayne and Sally, start us off. As they go, we're going to worship the Lord. If you'll hold the elements, we'll take them together in just a minute.
Father, as we hold these elements, we're reminded of the price you paid. And Father, I'd even call us as a church to envision you knelt before us, washing our feet, paying the price we could not pay, dying the death we couldn't die, resurrecting in a way that we couldn't resurrect, and then living your life in us and through us. Lord, I pray that as we take this, we would take unto ourselves your life, death, and resurrection. Church, let's take and eat and drink together. stand to your feet. We're going to sing this one more time just as a closing song today. If you need special prayer during this closing song, we've got some prayer people that will come up to the front. These are people just like you. They're just in the Jesus journey too. Sharing and loving. If you need anything, come on up. If you want to just worship the Lord, I love that Tony was up here just worshiping during our worship set. Feel free to just come up here and stand up front or sit in your seat. But let's close together proclaiming the life, the death, and the resurrection of King Jesus.
Church, as we go today, let's go with all confidence that the King of glory, the creator of heaven and earth has washed our feet. He has paid the ultimate price and we go free, we go alive, we go new, we go praising him because he is good, yes? Amen and amen. As you go today, go in Jesus and share him boldly and happily. Amen and amen. If you need special prayer, there'll be people up here. If you've never given your life to this King Jesus, I'll be here. I'd love to talk to you. If you're online and you've never given your life to Jesus, put it in the chat and we'll follow up with you. Go in Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast of Saltbox Church. If this content was helpful to you, please like it, rate it, review it, and share it on social media, as that is helpful to us. We believe when a person grows in their own Jesus journey, everyone around them benefits and gets better.